History has clearly shown that Christ is required to overcome the natural tendency of powerful forces to destroy God-given rights, including the right to hear and speak His truth. Welcome to Biblical Citizen. Let's roll with your hosts, Brian and Kathleen Melanakis. Kathleen is an author and retired registered nurse, and her husband Brian is a former company president. Kathleen and Brian discuss current events from a biblical worldview, so we as believers can influence for good in our culture and in the public square. Here is Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Hello, Biblical Citizens. So last week, if you heard, if you tuned in, we spoke with Brad Dacus of the Pacific Justice Institute about parental rights. Big topic right now. How we can influence school boards locally on critical issues like parental notification. Recently, Kathleen and I attended the National Summit of Turning Point USA Faith with Charlie Kirk and many outstanding leaders from across the country. It was right here in San Diego. One of these leaders was our guest today, Leon Rogers of City Elders, based in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You know, it was kind of interesting. We happened to sit down at breakfast with something like 1,200 pastors and church leaders from across the country. It was really inspiring. And we just happened to sit right next to Leon and Tammy Rogers, who coincidentally, but we know there's really no coincidences, had just had dinner the night before with our pastor, Gary Cass. And we had a great discussion. Leon was telling us about his organization city elders and how they create partnerships between local pastors and other city leaders. So welcome, Leon. Brian, it's great to be with you and Kathleen. So you and your wife, Tammy, who we were privileged to meet, you've served you've served Christ as missionaries in Asia. You've been college Bible instructors. Maybe you still are. You lead a, a pastor's network within the Family Research Council, which is very well known. And, by the way, you have seven sons and one daughter, so it seems like you might be quite busy there. In the midst of all that, what caused you to found City Elders? Well, thank you for the question. Uh, During the decade of the 90s, uh, we lived in Southeast Asia in Singapore, and we were reaching out to eight key Southeast Asian countries But while we were there, we got to experience this phenomenal movement of pastors coming together to pray together, to work together, to walk together. And we experienced what I call the birthing of the church, capital C. As you know, in the Western world, we kind of function denominationally, congregationally, or by way of association. But And this was the first time I got to experience the church of the Lord Jesus Christ functioning together as a leadership core, pastors that came together recognizing that unity has so many key blessings to it, one of which Psalm 133, of course, it's uh, is the blessing on Aaron, the oil on Aaron's head, uh, to the skirts of his garment, the dew on Hermon. Uh, the, the writer of Psalm said that those who dwell together in unity, that they would experience this supernatural impartation. And so we got to experience that in Singapore, the Church of the Lord Jesus functioning as one holistic body in the city. And I I tell you, Brian and and Kathleen, it was the most phenomenal experience that we have ever had or seen. But since that time, we've learned that there are many cities around the world, many 
towns around the world where the Holy Spirit is beginning to unite His Church, which is something that we've been looking for for a long time, the birthing of the ecclesia in a unified body. And, and to sum that up, we've come to the conclusion and the realization that is the thing against which hell cannot prevail. Hell can prevail against our organizational, administrative, social attempts, but when the Church comes together as the body of Christ, nothing can stop it. So we were ruined. From that point on, we were ruined. We realized we've got to start working toward the unity of the body, bringing pastors and leaders together to become the Church. Excellent. That sounds like it's very powerful. Uh, So tell us, how does City Elders, you started this City Elders over here after experiencing it in Singapore, and how exactly does it work? Isn't it bringing together pastors and business leaders and civic leaders? Or it is. Describe it. Thank you. Yes, once we got back to the United States, um, after having experienced that for several years, in Southeast Asia, I thought, you know, I can't, I can't do this congregational or just individual isolated bodies of believers. So when we got back to the States, we were pastoring a local congregation in Pontotoc County, a, a, a city called Ada, Oklahoma. And I just started reaching out to pastors. First, it was pastors in our county and the county next to us. Finally, I was reaching out to 10 different county seats that surrounded our county bringing together a pastors who had a heart for the kingdom of God and, frankly, pastors who had, I hate to use the terms, that they were fed up. They were losing so many liberties, so many freedoms, uh, the church becoming virtually persecuted by the civil government. And so my consternation was this whole thing about, you know, hell can't prevail against it, but we're losing ground in every metric. We're losing numbers, the church in the West, we're losing liberty. So I just set myself to fast and pray for 21 days. And it was during that time of prayer and fasting that I remembered the prayer that Jesus told us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And and so I was asking the Lord the question, how how does that happen? What does that look like? What did you mean? Are, are you telling us to pray for the millennial reign? Are you telling us to pray for the close of the age, the consummation of the age? What are you telling us to pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as? And that word as, I, I got stopped right there. I, I began to ask the question, how is God's kingdom in heaven? How is God's throne? How is God's government? How is how do things function in the spiritual dimension? And my attention, as it got closer and more focused on the throne of God, I thought, wait a minute, there are 24 elders around God's throne. The sons of Jacob, most likely the sons of Jacob, the apostles of the Lamb. And the reason I concluded that to be so is because the gates of the New Jerusalem have the apostles' names on it, or I'm sorry, the sons of Jacob, and the foundations have the names of the apostles of the Lamb. And I thought, well, I wonder if if those 24 elders, who exactly they are, what they represent, well, they represent the government of God. So my attention was drawn to the concept of elders, elders in heaven. And I said, what happened to the whole concept of elders on earth, city elders? Elder, in the New Testament, we have elders in the church. Paul said to Titus, for this cause I left you in Crete, 
to set in order those things which are lacking and ordain elders in every city. Uh, Paul speaking to Titus. And so mm-hmm. I thought, wait a minute, He's th- Titus is supposed to ordain elders in the church, but in every city. So I thought, now, what happened to that concept of the elders in the Old Testament? New Testament, we only relegate eldership to the church or to the ecclesia. But in ancient Israel, there were familial, family elders that sat in the gate of the city. There were elders associated with the king's court, and there were elders associated with the tabernacle and the temple. There were three different kinds of elders. And I thought, wait a minute, that that represents the three divine institutions, church, state, and family. Mm. So and we've talked about started, that before, yeah. Yes, we did. Mm. Yes, we did. And and so as I started praying about and feeling compelled to uh, identify who are the elders of the city, we came to the realization there are elders in those three divine institution sectors. So I started out, see- first of all, seeking pastors. Mm-hmm. If we don't get the pastors to come together and work together, again, back to the former premise, only the gates of hell can't prevail against the ecclesia. So first, we've got to start with the church. We've got to bring leaders together of the church, the congregations. Secondly, um, we started identifying civil government leaders in the county seats who were Bible-based, biblical worldview, uh, Christian values, conservatives, and say, hey, would you guys like to sit down with a group of pastors and ask the pastors, would you like to sit down on a regular basis with the mayor or with the city council or the sheriff or the district attorney? And so as we started doing that, the the level of interest, first, when you get a group of pastors together and share with them the vision of gatekeepers, of elders in the gate, not just pastors in the gate, but elders in the gate, and the responsibility of those elders to protect the city. That I love that Old Testament metaphor of the elders in the gate. They watched that watchman on the wall and elders in the gate. Being the gatekeepers, they were the ones who either allowed or disallowed what took place in the city, economically, militarily, um, and every dimension. They were the gatekeepers. So I thought, well, that's interesting. Maybe there's a divine design here that God intended for elders to be the protectors, not just of the flock, as uh, Acts 19, where Paul said the elders are responsible to watch over the flock. But maybe God intended for there to be elders of the city uh, intergenerationally, not just in ancient Israel. But I thought, wait a minute, if there's elders governing in heaven, maybe there's a universal principle here. Maybe there's something beyond elders of the church. And so when we started sharing this with pastors, the level of excitement and, and the response was far beyond our expectation. And then we had district attorneys and mayors and city councilmen and school board members. They then began sitting down at the same in the same room with pastors. And now we've got you know, this this is happening in many counties across Oklahoma. Now we're in eight states and to jump ahead, our vision is to, to plant a city elders council in every county seat of the United States, which is 1,131 county seats. So um, I kind of went around the, the bush there, around the a barn to answer your question, <laughs> but uh, at least that gets the conversation. No, you're, oh, gi- yeah, that- you're giving good good background. Give us an idea practically when you have an initial meeting, let's say with you've gotten some pastors together, but you're having your first meeting with 
non-pastor civic leaders like city council or school board members, what what do you do in that meeting? Do you pray or do you uh, do you uh, say, well, this is the vision, or what? What do you do in that meeting? Well, once we've identified, we call it a core four. Once we've identified four pastors who have a biblical worldview, they're culturally engaged, they have a kingdom perspective. Which let, let me just address that specific issue briefly. When when we came to the realization, the Lord used the word church twice in the Gospels, but the word kingdom is used 141 times. And I thought, now, wait a minute. Why did Jesus address the kingdom so prolific, um, in such a prolific fashion, and just almost a casual, cursory mention of the church? And I thought, I, I, I started studying that and came to the realization that the kingdom is is so much greater and uh, than the church, and the, but the church is the facilitator of the will of God in the kingdom. Um, so once we have that core group from the church, and the ch- even if it's just a nucleus, um, then we begin to invite uh, civil government leaders, maybe for the the four guys just to meet on a uh, semi regular basis to to pray with the mayor, or. As, as I mentioned, we identify people that are Christians and have a kingdom worldview, a biblical worldview, and bring them to the table. Well, if someone's running for office, they're always, if somebody's a candidate or is going to be in an election, they're always looking for a platform or group of people that they can sit down and share their vision with. Well, if you if a, a candidate running for office gets to sit down with four to six pastors, He's he's potentially reaching the constituents or um, having influence on an entire congregation. So um, that meeting, to answer your question specifically, yes, we we highlight the concept of prayer. Interestingly enough, let me just touch on that for just a moment. We use the metaphor or the biblical passage of Moses and Aaron and Hur that there was this battle going on in the valley with the Amalekites and. The Bible says that Moses took Aaron and her, and they went to the mountain as Moses was praying and lifting up his hands, Aaron and her, which incidentally you have, you also got the lawgiver, the priest, and a businessman. You've got family, church, and state represented in those three individuals on the mountain, that there was a spiritual component to a physical battle that was going on in the valley. Mm-hmm. And that as as the hands were being lifted up and the prayer was being ascending to heaven, Israel was prevailing. And when Moses' hands were falling down, Amalek prevailed. And so God gave us a graphic illustration of the physical reality and the battles that we face and the, the, the conflict that's going on and the spiritual reality of the prayer and the representative government on the mountain that is praying and interceding for what's taking place in the valley. That well, seems like it's very powerful as well. I'm just yeah. meeting, meeting together to talk about what prayers are needed, what to pray about. That gives you just so much communication and it seems like that it you know, as a citizen, that if we have the protection of the prayers of the godly men in our cities, mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. It, it would just be, it would make us just feel so much more protected. And and we talk yeah. about that a lot, about the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. You, mm-hmm. can, you can keep out a lot of the 
bad things that are coming from the central authorities, the federal state levels, and that's what we really need here in mm-hmm. California. But one of your right. one of your favorite scriptures, and this really relates to it, is Ephesians six twelve. For we do mm-hmm. not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against yes. rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. And so, yeah, you are you are praying this. I mean, there's nothing more powerful because it is a spiritual battle. It's those cosmic spiritual forces of evil that are influencing our leaders in the secular government, and it's not neutral. We've talked about that a lot too. Um, yes. But yes, no. Mm-hmm. So that it just seems like such a great idea. And so you start with a, a core group and then you just add different ones mm-hmm. that, that you invite mm-hmm. and you get together and you pray together, you talk together, you you provide mm-hmm. a platform for communication and and then you mm-hmm. lift up your prayers. Well, that seems like it's really... I want to uh, ask Leon, Kathleen, about something... Great we, idea. Yeah, I want to ask Leon about something you and I have been heavily involved in recently in California... That is school boards. I know you address this on your website, mm-hmm. Leon. You talk mm-hmm. about how city, you say city elders stand against school boards that are pushing World Economic Forum agendas. We certainly have talked about that. All the different things indoctrinating our children in critical race theory, socialism, gender confusion, and so on. The things you mentioned seem so relevant to California. How are you influencing school boards where you are in Oklahoma specifically to resist these type of agendas that often do come? They are imposed even globally, and they find their way through the state government and, and uh, you know, powerful forces, which Kathleen just referenced in the scripture. How do we resist those at the local, at the level of a school board? Mm-hmm. I hopefully I can address both of those issues. Um, to pick up the, the the previous thought, the when you get the um, city council or the mayor or the sheriff, they realize they're dealing with with situations that are far beyond their ability to manage. And when they have an opportunity for pastors to genuinely take up their cause, their safety, their ability to manage, their ability to govern. And they can see that these pastors want to cover them in prayer, not just to vet them, not just to hold them accountable, but also to, that therefore they're for the civil government leaders themselves. I'll tell you, the level of interest is just amazing. Um, the genuine concern about the role and the success, because if that civil government leader succeeds, the city succeeds. So on, on to bring that to bear on the school boards. Fortunately, in Oklahoma, this last election cycle, we not only were able to um, elect a godly praying um, governor, but one of the people that he chose to be the superintendent of public education, Ryan Walters, uh, he he was elected to public office as being over the school boards, over the education um, in, in Oklahoma. So he personally has started targeting, for instance, um, Tulsa. He, he just recently removed the superintendent of public education. He told he came to the school board directly and said, look, I'm going to set certain uh, metrics and certain levels um uh, objectives that we've got to reach or uh, Oklahoma law allows that superintendent to re- or the superintendent state superintendent to remove local superintendents or local school boards temporarily. So Oklahoma has a unique situation. 
However, we're working together with him. With him. He's a regular attender of city elders. Hmm. We're praying with him, and we're strategizing with him on local school boards. And so something that we're doing right now is, is we are informing the churches— networking and communicating with the churches to let them know when are the next school board elections. What are the dates uh, that you have to, a candidate has to register to run for office? So we have 24 churches in Tulsa that are communicating. I'm, City Elders is communicating directly with the pastors, giving them slides, giving them the information they need to inform their their constituents, their church attendees, and and as a matter of fact, I just found out this morning, city elders met this morning, and I found out of an, another godly, uh, multicultural, multilingual, former school teacher who's running for school board that we can get behind. So when we have now we have anywhere our, our monthly banquets have anywhere from three to seven hundred and we'll have as many as 60 different churches represented and 40 different NGOs, non-governmental organizations. So over the last five years, we've developed a, a network of working relationships, bringing not only church leaders together, but civil government leaders, business leaders, and organizational leaders. So now uh, we've, got, we've built enough momentum that we can get word out to the churches, to the pastors. We now have uh, someone who is a city elder who's sitting on the school board. Uh, her name is Alina Ashley, and uh, she is a she has become a light on the Tulsa school board. But now we're working toward the next three offices. Um, this next year, there's school board elections and three districts. So we're sending a picture of the map of the district. We're letting them know who are the viable candidates that we have vetted. And so we're just basically, remember I said those gatekeepers sitting in the gate of the city, right. not only regulated commerce and military protection, but the flow of information. So as gatekeepers in the city, we feel responsible. We've taken on the responsibility for communicating when when to vote, when to register, who who you can uh, support, etc. That is just amazing to me, and it just highlights the the importance of having leadership at the top. The top school board uh, supervisor can can manage the other ones, and and also right. so that is one principle, and the other one is the power of networks. So, well, the prayer is going to tie in with the networks, but you build these relationships. It's all about relationships and informing your your different congregations and the, the pastors all work together. This is just mm-hmm. a, really an amazing model, and so we hope this will expand. We hope we'll, you know, our pastor is working on starting a city elders program here in our town, and so mm-hmm. we want to let our listeners know you can go to cityelders.com, right, and find out more about it. Don't you have a book as well? We do. We have, um, it's called The Biblical Blueprint for Godly Government, How to Start City Elders. It's a manual, step-by-step, and we, we now, the reason we wrote the book is we were getting so many calls from, on a regular basis from other counties, other states, saying we heard about city elders, what's happening, we've got to get this started in our county, so I took six months and wrote a manual. It's very user-friendly, and they can make a request for that at cityelders.com. Go to the website, 
and communicate with us, and we'll get that manual to you. But yeah, we 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 believe that in the next 12 months that uh, City Elders is going to be expanding across the nation at a uh, uh, a very encouraging rate. Mm-hmm. And we pr- pray. I'm sure you do, Leon. But pray for California. You know, <laughs> yeah. you're you're very well aware of things going yeah. on across the nation and globally, and you know how many of these not good ideas come out of this state here of california so i can't think of it and yet we have many devoted christians that here in california that just need to be organized they need to be brought together they need to we need to talk more with each other so uh, your concept i i can't think of a place that it's more applicable to than california so we can learn a lot from other leaders around the country and that was su- such an advantage of having all the pastors come in that pastor's conference. That was just amazing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, yes, Pat, we cannot uh, in, we cannot emphasize the importance of pastors taking the lead and, and praying with each other and, and unifying like that. So, we, so, so just in, just so in uh, we, Leon, we have about 30 seconds, so really brief. You want to have a final mm-hmm. about 30 seconds? Uh, yes, and you're exactly right. It takes a devoted minority. Uh, the significance of the three leaders praying on the mountain and the valley, the battle going on in the valley, is a significant metaphor we keep in front of us all the time. But a resolute, devoted, consecrated group, just a core group, if you can find four key godly kingdom-hearted leaders in a county seat. We found that when they come together and start praying, things start happening. Thank you so much. That's absolutely it. We can't close it off with better words than that. Uh, Listeners, please listen to this. Think about what you can do. Go to cityelders.com. Thanks, Leon. And until next week, Biblical Citizen, let's roll! Join us next Saturday at noon for Biblical Citizen, let's roll! Your hosts, Brian and Kathleen Melanakis, seek to educate and activate Christians at a grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Next week, we will cover another major news happening from the view of the biblical citizen.